Welcome to the Financial Futurist Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Schenker, the Financial Futurist. Bloomberg News ranks me one of the top financial forecasters in the world in my role as the president of Prestige Economics. I'm also the chairman of the Futurist Institute. And on this podcast, we talk about markets, business, and future technology. This is the Financial Futurist Podcast. This week on the Financial Futurist Podcast, we'll talk about oil prices and the future of energy. We'll also talk about the euro, as well as robots and the Robot and Automation Almanac. We'll cover these subjects and more on this week's episode of the Financial Futurist Podcast. Over the last three days, my team and I have been recording three new courses for the Futurist Institute, the future of energy, the future of healthcare, and the future of leadership. Today, I want to take a few minutes to talk to you about the future of energy. In the course we've recorded, there were a number of different topics that I covered, but I wanted to share the most important highlights with you today on the Financial Futurist podcast. From a market perspective, as we look 10, 20, 30 years into the future, there are two very big dynamics going on in the physical markets for oil. On the demand side, China, India, and emerging Asia are likely to see their demand increase significantly while OECD demand falls. Meanwhile, the supply of oil and gas produced in the United States is likely to rise to the point where the U.S. is going to become a more important exporter of liquefied natural gas and petroleum products like gasoline and diesel. Now, I realize that there's a lot of interest around electric vehicles, and we address this in the course. The truth is there's a lot of hope, but there's also quite a bit of hype. The hype component really comes from the fact that there's an expectation that electric vehicles will be everywhere, essentially, tomorrow. And this is going a bit too far. Part of the problem with electric vehicles is that while oil isn't very common, right, it's not as common as water, we consume about 90 97 million barrels per day of oil. It's over 4 billion gallons a day. So it's not a rare commodity. But the lithium and cobalt that go into the batteries for electric vehicles are rare. And this is a problem that can't be fixed purely through lowered cost of technology. This is a chemistry issue. And there are a few things when we think about the future of energy that can't be overlooked. Chemistry, physics, and biology are the three biggest things that can't be overlooked when you're shaping a futurist view of an industry, and that's true for energy. So while the mix of power is likely to change significantly, much further away from coal towards natural gas and then away from natural gas towards renewables, liquid hydrocarbons are likely to remain the dominant form of transportation fuels for a very long time to come. And while electric vehicles are exciting to think about, the chemistry of the batteries and the exposure of the commodity supply chain to chokeholds, cornering, and price spikes are likely to make significant production of and sales of electric vehicles for consumer use, something that takes a very 
long time to happen. Commercial vehicles are likely to be converted to electric long before personal vehicles because utilization rates are high and there's a financial return on investment. There's an ROI to having electric heavy-duty trucks as opposed to an electric personal car that sits in a driveway most of the time. Those are just a few of the themes from the course on the future of energy, but I wanted to share that perspective because I know there's a lot of folks out there who take a view that goes against chemistry, biology, or physics in a number of different futurist fields. And this is one of the things that I'm so proud of at the Futurist Institute is that the courses do take into consideration fundamental realities that can't be ignored, no matter how interesting or fantastic an alternative perspective may seem. While we're on the subject of energy, let's briefly talk about what's going on with oil prices. They've been on a trend higher for some time now, and the higher prices we've seen recently aren't very surprising to me. Those of you who've been listening to the podcast know that my expectations after the OPEC decision to extend production cuts through the end of 2018 was a bullish signal, especially against the backdrop of strong PMIs. In other words, global growth is strong, which is a big demand driver for oil, and supplies are going to be constricted as OPEC and non-OPEC members try to push global inventories lower towards the five-year average. So supply down, demand up, and lo and behold, prices are on the rise. Another market that's moved a lot recently is the euro. We've talked about this and we've had a very bullish expectation on the euro for the year. Did a Bloomberg television interview last week and talked about expecting the euro to be above 130 by the end of the year. And the anchors seemed quite surprised, even though that would represent only a 10 cent rise in the euro during the year. And we're already a few cents into that rise. Whereas in 2017, the rise in the euro was around 16 cents, a much larger rise, even though the Fed was raising rates during that time period and the European Central Bank was engaging in a full throttle form of quantitative easing. In the year ahead, we expect at some point the European Central Bank is going to provide some surprises. And even though the euro's risen, there's more upside and some people will be caught unaware. While we're talking about currencies, I just briefly want to share that Bloomberg released their rankings for forecast accuracy of currency forecasters last week. Prestige Economics is one of the top 10 forecasters in the world of major currencies. We're actually number seven. And we're number one in the world for forecasting the British pound, number two for the euro, number three for the Canadian dollar, and also number one for forecasting the Chinese renminbi. I'm very pleased with these forecasts, and I've been sharing my outlooks with you in these podcasts throughout the year. So I hope that those of you who've been listening have found value in my perspective around these different currency markets because our forecasts have been quite good. I'm Jason Schenker, and you're listening to The Financial Futurist Podcast. In the technology portion of this week's Financial Futurist podcast, I want to briefly visit the topic of the Robot and Automation Almanac. This was released at the beginning of the month on January 5th, and it's since been featured on Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg Television. We've gotten great coverage, a press release went out, and I am just so honored to be working with such amazing experts in the fields of robotics and automation. In total, we had 23 different contributors to the Robot and Automation Almanac for 2018, looking at a number of different future technologies and how automation and robotics will change so many parts of our lives in different things we see like robots in hotels and stores and offices and hospitals and also things we don't like the supply chain back end of the U.S. and global economy that makes sure when we order things online that that stuff is delivered quickly and cheaply to us. I can't thank the people enough who are involved and it's been a really great project. The book's already been a number one new release 
use for robotics and automation on Amazon. And I'm very excited about its prospects in general. And I'm excited about the prospects for the Robot and Automation Almanac next year for the 2019 Outlook. It's just such a great project because the history of robots is being written now. There isn't something like this for most fields of new technology because they're just humming along and one day, boom, it's done. This is really a chance for thought leaders to share with the world their thoughts of what's going to happen next. And it'll be essentially something I think we look back at when we're trying to understand how did robots and automation become as big as they will? What was that transition like? And so I think this is actually a bit of a work of history, which is just thrilling to be a part of. I'll be posting more about the Robot Automation Almanac on LinkedIn, and I'll be sharing some snippets here and there. For those of you who've already ordered a copy, thank you for getting it. I hope you enjoy it, and I'd love to hear your feedback and your thoughts on it because this is an annual project we'll be working on going forward. That's all I've got for this week. It's been a busy week for the Futurist Institute. We have a, a very big announcement coming up in the next couple of months, but I'm going to hold back on sharing what that is right now. Just know that it's going to be something that is market changing. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Futurist Podcast with me, Jason Schenker, the Financial Futurist. You can follow me on Twitter at Prestige Econ. And check out my website, jasonschenker.com. On jasonschenker.com, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter to make sure you're getting the latest and most important information about markets, business, and future technology. Until next week.